Welcome back to another new podcast from the Association for Materials Protection and Performance. My name is Ben Dubose, and I'm a staff writer with the AMP Publications team, where I write for Materials Performance Magazine and Coatings Pro Magazine. On today's show, I'm joined by Robert Dahlstrom, founder and CEO of Apelix. For those who don't know, Apelix provides software-driven aerial robotics platforms to paint, coat, clean, and make physical contact during flights for contact-based inspections. A serial entrepreneur, Bob is passionate about designing and creating software-controlled robotic systems that keep people out of harm's way and potentially save lives. Bob is a frequent presenter on the use of robotic systems for non-destructive testing, inspection, and evaluation, and he has presented at numerous conferences. He is also author of a chapter on robotic NDE inspection in the Handbook of NDE 4.0. Bob is active with various standards bodies for robotic inspections. Bob, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Some of our longtime listeners may remember that we've had Bob on in the past during 2020, our COVID series, and then in 2021, uh, Apelix was one of our winners of the Corrosion Innovation Awards on the MP side, so they've been doing a lot of good things for quite some time. And Bob, in this case, I think a good place to start our discussion, we're doing this during National Robotics Week, where there's really a lot of emphasis being placed. Uh, placed on the role of robotics in all sorts of fields, but certainly what we cover here at AMP, corrosion and coatings inspections, we're really seeing robotics take on larger prevalence in recent months and years. So, Bob, if you could just give our listeners, for anyone unfamiliar, some background on National Robotics Week and why this is so important to your segment of the industry. Yes, uh, fantastic. Thank you, Ben. So the interesting thing about robots is that they, um, you know, they're very predictable. They do the same thing time after time again. So um, it, I, you know, being a software person and a roboticist, it's just fantastic to, to be working with these things that have the ability to change the industry because the robotics are, you know, and we'll talk about this later probably when we get into it, but there's actually projected by 2026 to be over 100,000 painters needed to meet the current demand. So, um, you know, robots are needed. They're something that can be utilized as a tool. They're like any other tool. They're only the right tool in the right circumstance. You don't pull out a hammer when you need a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. um, but you use these tools properly, you can, you know, replace what's commonly referred to as the dull, dirty, dangerous work. and spend your time as a you know corrosion specialist on higher use case or a higher higher value of your time you know you using things about well, what do we need to test what do we need to paint well, how do we need to paint it are we painting it properly all the questions that go into making a good quality product or job um, while you're delegating a lot of the grunt work if you want to call it that to some of these these uh, cobots or co-workers or robotic systems so Having a week that celebrates that, I think, is important, but also having the industry, the corrosion industry, um, celebrating this as well and and realizing that this is the future and, and this is how things are going to have to happen, given the fact that we just do not have the workforce. And as our infrastructure keeps aging and we need more and more painters and uh, corrosion engineers, uh, something has to fill the gap. And it, it doesn't look like we have enough people. So it's fantastic that it's robots. So thank you, Ben, and everybody there for bringing this to, to the attention of the industry, because it is something that I, I believe strongly is is in all of our benefits to, to get implemented sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, and your company at Apelix, you've progressed a long way the last few years just within what we do at AMP and previously NACE International before the merger. I mentioned that you all won at the 2021 MP Corrosion Innovation Awards. You also won in 2017. Should also mention on the Codings Pro side, you guys were a winner in the 2022 Contractor Awards and the Specialty Project category. Obviously, you all have a lot going on. Just within the past few years, when you guys were, um, back in 2017, you guys were close to a startup then, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I, I like to tell people that we're more of a scale up now. Uh, yeah. And actually, we are scaling up because we have, we're having problems building all the systems we need to get out the mm -hmm. door uh, due to the demand. But uh, I, I want to circle back to your uh, mentioning of the, um, the Contractor Pro Award because that is a good example of how these robots can help. Um, you know, here, the we won this for the uh, city of Worcester, Ohio, elevated water tower. And so uh, about every five years in the Northeast, they clean these water towers because they have a problem with mold and mildew growing on them, which not only aesthetically looks bad, but also can impact the longevity of the coatings systems. Um, so about every five years, they take people out on lifts and go up and pressure wash or power wash um, this with a sodium hypochloride chemical to kill the bleach or to kill the mold um, and then rinse it with like eight gallons of water rinse to get all that you know biomass off of the structure so that it doesn't reattach and regrow um, and doing it with people obviously is dangerous because you're putting people up at elevation in a lift it's also expensive because you've got that lift there um, so scheduling can sometimes be a problem getting access can sometimes be a problem and then it's it's mindless, dull, dirty, dangerous work. You know, you're up mm. there, you get this stuff on your clothes, it's a strong bleach, it ruins your clothes, you can inhale it. I mean, it's just it's just not an environment where you want to be. It, we did it with the drone. So we actually had half of the tower done conventionally, half of the tower done with the drone. So the drone, you still need two people. On the lift, you needed two people. Uh, the productivity increase in time, we did it about half the time. With uh, So it's not a huge um labor savings but it did you know it did uh put the person on the ground where they were safe and out of harm's way it, it did um you know make the process much easier and it did make the process much faster so these robotic systems do have the capability to change the industry and change how we work and make ourselves uh, you know where we can tap into mm -hmm. our intelligence and do the smart things and let the robots do the dumb things. The other reason why I was mentioning the timeline of some of your awards, even within just the last five years or so, there's been a lot of evolution on the technology side, not just with you all at Apelix, but really the robotics field as a whole. That's, of course, part of the background for why there is a National Robotics Week and why we're trying to spotlight some of the things that robots can do these days. What's something in 2021, 2022 that you can do now that even five years ago in 2017 during that cycle you might not have been able to do? Um, uh, the, the good example is is the uh, the power washing drone system. Mm. So again, that's uh, 3,000 psi at the ground at the pump and at about 131 feet in elevation, which was the elevation of that water tower. I think we were probably close to 1,000 psi at the head. Of the, of the tip, um, but we're building that off of the same exact technology that we're using for the spray painting drone. So uh, the spray painting drone is still under development because it's a more complex uh, mm -hmm. robotic system, 
But taking that same power system that we built for that, the ability to you know put 5,000 watts on board that aircraft because it's lifting a lot of weights. Those are the same, you know, five eighths inch diameter hoses full of water and chemicals that, um, you know, weigh a lot of, of uh, have a lot of weight to them. The same equipment. Uh, it's just a, a drone is lifting it and carrying it. So you have to have that that ability to lift that. So uh, taking that power supply that enables the drone to carry all that weight taking the same frame and motor configuration that we designed for the spray painting drone and repurposing it to use it for the um, the, the power washing system um, was, was something we hadn't even anticipated back in, in 2017 when we were working on our non-destructive testing precision flight control to make physical contact with structures to measure them. So um, it, it was for us sort of a, um, a home run because we weren't uh -huh. expecting it and also because the demand was was just um the it was just huge so we've we've got a number of those systems starting to get out into the world and do real work um it, it also somewhat counterintuitively has made the whole robotics um maintenance um situation a little easier to people for people to understand uh, and part of that, because in 2017, people were thinking about drones doing video work with their cameras and they can look at minute cracks and tell if the cracks growing over time and do really cool things with inspection. They have thermal cameras that can tell you where there's heat loss or potential gases. So they're, they've always been fantastic that way. And people just couldn't quite wrap their head around a big, large industrial drone like ours that are about a meter by a meter that can lift 120 pounds. Uh, actually in the physical environment um, doing work. And so they can understand the, the, the soft wash or the, uh, the power washing system much easier than they, they can understand how a computer controlled drone can make physical contact with the structure and take ultrasonic thickness reading or dry film thickness reading uh, measurements and or the precision needed you know, to, to keep a drone on an exact path where you're 14 inches from the surface moving at the exact speed that's needed in a you know in a way to lay down you know eight mils wet of a protective coating uh, because the tolerance is there you know we're dealing in thousands of an inch of a coating uh -huh. and a drone that's up there flying with a video camera if it's off a couple inches that's no big deal um, but if you're trying to make physical contact with a structure with a drone or paint with a drone and you're off a couple inches it's a huge deal and it could be catastrophic so um, wrapping your head around that level of complexity I think was you know was hard at the time but now that we've done that for a while and now that people see this this heavy lift drone doing something relatively simple which is squirting a bunch of water and chemicals on something to clean it i think it makes it much easier for people to say oh okay yeah it can spray paint yeah oh it can make contact and, and take measurements under computer control so you know as these robotic systems evolve and change over time uh, we're also going to find new use cases that the industry is going to come up with where we can create value. So uh, again, the goal is to to help with not only that paint labor shortage, um, the safety issues, uh, but it's also to to get us back into a thoughtful mode instead of a reactive mode. Sort of uh, one of the books I've read recently, which I loved, was by Dan Heath. It's called Upstream, and it's about thinking about preventing things from happening, not uh, reacting to things all the time. And so having a little bit of the pressure removed from our day-to-day -day activities where we're always reacting and putting out fires and doing jobs and working 
um, and letting the drone do some of that grunt work, enabling us to question, are we doing this the right way, you know, or, or figuring out what's the best value add that we can do to protect this asset or, or do whatever it is that we're doing. Uh, robots have that ability to uh, to free our mind, so to speak, to allow us to to do that, and and that has great connotations for the industry because that can enable uh, additional innovations. It can enable thinking about new ways to do things that can benefit us all. Yeah, I was going to ask you about where things are going the next few years, but number one, you already sort of discussed that in your answer there specifically about the increased complexity of the spray painting drone. And I suppose what it sounds like to me, we've had such a quick evolution on the technology side. It's less about the actual technology the next few years, and it's more about how the technology is actually used in the field and case studies that get more people in the industry comfortable with using this type of technology. Is that a fair way to frame it? Oh, I, I would say that's exactly right. So one of the one of the examples of that is when we first um, started back in 2017 with non-destructive testing, we'd go to some of the oil and gas majors and they'd say, "No way, you're not flying a drone inside of our refinery. You can't do it. Drones mm -hmm. are drones are not intrinsically safe." And um, now today they're like, "Yeah, come in here. We need you." <laughs> yeah. And now and now we've got like. Um, um, gas devices on there that uh, and, and allow us to get hot work permits to go into class one, division two, potentially explosive hazardous environments. So, you know, the, the world has really, really changed and it'll continue to change as the uh, the value creation for this um, continues and as the complexity of these systems continue. Uh, one of our mantras here that we constantly repeat is crawl, walk, run. Mm. So we, we start with easy use cases and over time, we build um, additional functionality, uh, and then the, the robot eventually builds up to the point where it's doing much more complex tasks than originally started with. What type of feedback are you getting from the users? We've spent a lot of the podcast talking about certainly what they need from a technology perspective, but I guess in terms of like the intuitiveness, the user-friendly nature of it, what are they saying, the users that are actually going down this path? Yeah, the, and I'm I'm glad you asked that because next week actually we're hosting about 20 people from the industry um, through our partnership with Axo Nobel. They're bringing in 20 of their customers to take a look at the spray painting drone to give us their feedback. The whole purpose of this exercise of bringing all these people here to see the spray painting drone is for their feedback. What do we need to do to it to make it available to go to field trials? So we'll get the feedback. Um, and the feedback may be, okay, on the user interface, we want a drop-down menu and you select which coding you're using. And then from that, the drone would tell you, or the user interface would tell you, okay, use, uh, you know, you're using this coding, you need to use a 517 tip and you need to set your compressor to 2800 PSI. And then internally, the drone would say, okay, I need to be 14 inches from the wall, moving at, um, you know, uh, 60 or 0.6 meters per second. So, um, you know, it can calculate what it needs to do to dial in the right parameters to do the proper coding job to apply the proper mill thickness. So input from the industry will be crucial in not only user 
uh, validation, but also what is it that we need to do so we can get this thing in field trials? Because there's still a ton of work to be done on the spray painting drone. Once it's completed field trials, we then have to come back and you know all the lessons learned have to be incorporated and built and added and modified. Then at that point in time, we hope to have something ready for uh, a you know, minimum viable product that we can get out into the into the market and people can can start using. But we, we found that uh, methodology to work well. That's what we did with our non-destructive testing and with our um, our, our power washing system. Um, you know, getting industry feedback early, um, getting it into field trials uh, because these things operate perfectly at our warehouse where we've got a facsimile of an above ground storage tank and a really high wall. But you get out into the real world and they don't always operate the same. So you run into challenges that you never foresee. Um, so getting it out in the real world, getting that feedback, modifying the system, making it better to overcome those limitations um, or making modifications to make it easier to use, all are, are, are critical and important. And one of the things we say is that, you know, we're roboticists and software engineers. We're not um, coatings experts. And so mm -hmm. that's a great value that we've had with our relationship with Axo Nobel. They are. And they've been able to help us uh, understand and over the years, we've been able to learn what it means to put down, you know, uh, you know, the right layer of film with a molecular adhesion and, you know, that does a, the perfect paint job. And so that's what we aspire to. And, and a lot of it just comes down to math, right? It's uh, right. you start thinking about the transfer efficiency ratio. Um, you know, if you're too close with your spray tip, the, the atomized paint bounces off the surface. If you're too far, it blows away in the wind. So getting the right distance from the wall is something people do all the time fantastically well because they're intuitive. They can intuit and they say, oh, okay, I'm too far, too close, and they just move their hand. But it's also math. If you if you know, you know, the the tip you're using, the component that you're using, the the compounds, the paint, if you know the weather conditions, right? Because these are flying computers, right? They know the ambient mm -hmm. temperature, the barometric pressure, the relative humidity, the temperature of the surface being coated. You know, that all can go into a lookup table in the software and says, okay, given all these parameters, I need to be this distance from the wall moving at this speed to get this mill thickness on the on the coating. One of the things that I really like about National Robotics Week is that it spotlights so many segments of the industry, including some of the workforce opportunities, because I'm guessing with regards to some of the challenges for you all, you mentioned from the client end, especially in the oil and gas space, a few years ago you had some clients that are worried about safety issues. I suspect also from time to time you run into people who are a little bit nervous about the potential for costing human jobs, because some of these things that uh, drones can do. Now, I know you mentioned that these systems, and you're right, can keep people out of harm's way and potentially save lives. But at the same time, you're always going to run in whenever you have any sort of software that replaces a traditional human task. It's just human nature to have some people concerned about what is this going to mean for our jobs and my oh, ability absolutely. to provide yeah. for my family. So I guess the counter to that, of course, is that even if there's less humans involved in an inspection, you need humans to guide the drones, you need humans to interpret the data. So, you know, what do you say to someone that's worried about uh, the workforce issues that might uh, result from, say, the robotics evolution in the corrosion industry? Oh, yeah, that, and that's a that's a big concern. A lot of people, you know, are concerned that robots will take their jobs. And for painting, it's it's not true. <laughs> if anything, this is going to create additional jobs because I alluded, alluded to the fact that by 2026, there's 100,000 painters needed to meet the current demand. Mm -hmm. 
In addition to that, by 2031, 41% of the workforce will have retired, according to NCCER. So we, we've got a lot of people aging out. New people aren't coming into this. Uh, the, the number on that is 11 years. For new employees to be as productive as the people they're replacing takes 11 years. They also have heard the statistic only one out of 10 new hires last for longer than a year. So we've got a lot of people retiring in the industry. We've got very few people coming into the industry. We've got more and more paint jobs that are being needed. Um, one way to get the talent into the industry is you know because a lot of uh, a lot of the the new people don't want to come in and, and spend all day at the end of a paint wand, you know, mindlessly moving it back and forth to apply coating. But they do want to come in and operate a robot that's doing mm. that. And so, you know, you have to have, uh, you know, we, and we've designed, for example, the spray painting robot. In some respects, it's kind of like a uh, uh, like a dead man stick on an engineer for a train, right? The engineer is not driving the train; they're just holding that that stick. Mm -hmm. And if they fall asleep or not off or let go of the stick, the train stops. Uh, same thing with our painting drone. You have to have your your fingers on the stick for it to for it to fly, even though it's flying by computer control and you're not flying it. But if you let your fingers off the stick, it just stops painting and hovers. So you know, there are those safety type of things that are built in. But um, you know, those are also the exciting jobs that a lot of people will be um, coming in to do. And, and you also alluded to it with the, the data that these things collect, especially non-destructive testing. Mm. You know, one of the one of the um, benefits of NDE 4.0 is taking advantage of all the machine learning and the artificial intelligence. And that takes people to do it. Yes, the, the the computers and the robots gather the data, but they can interpret some of it. They can display some of it, but it really takes somebody that can think about the data. Uh, because if you gather the wrong data, you're going to make wrong assumptions and wrong conclusions. Um, thinking about and gathering the right data, or having the drone or robot gather the right data, um, gives you better better results. So you always have to have the people. You're not cutting them out of the loop. You still need the same number of painters. Yes, the drone can paint faster, but you still have to have somebody flying the drone, just like you have to have somebody holding the, the paint wand, and you have to have somebody maintaining mm -hmm. the pumps, and and just like uh, with a with a with a spray painting drone or a person. So the numbers shouldn't change that much as far as um, you know employees, but because the number of jobs are needed, because the loss of jobs, uh, uh, not not loss of jobs, because the loss of um, uh, people in the industry retiring. Right. Uh, there, there's just this huge hole, this huge gulf that has to be filled, and robotics are a great way to fill it. So as we wind down with Robert Dahlstrom, founder and CEO of Apelix, let's talk about what's new going on at the company. I know within the past year or so, you guys have launched Apelix NDT. I read earlier this year that you got your NDT drone patent. Uh, that was a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. So... <clears throat> What's going on with that? It sounds like uh, certainly just from our conversation over the last 20 minutes or so, NDT is a huge area of emphasis for you all, the non-destructive testing that is. Um, what's new on your front in terms of um, company developments and the business initiatives you guys have in the pipeline in 2022? Yeah, it, it is. So the uh, non-destructive testing system, um, we're up to six patents on all the drones that include spray painting and cleaning and, and non-destructive testing. but uh, the non-destructive testing system um, uh, is now international. We, we've shipped one overseas, um, so we have uh, you know a, a number of people that are interested in that. And then you mentioned we had, we had launched uh, our field services and labs group, uh, so Apelix NDE. 
that is more where we go out and do jobs with companies mm -hmm. as a learning exercise. And one of the results of that, for example, is we used to take one reading at a time autonomously. So the, the drone pilot would fly it up to an above ground storage tank, for example, engage the software, the drone would go in to the corrosion monitoring location, take a measurement, back up, hover, and then wait. And then the pilot would manually fly it you know, to the other side of the tank or wherever, re-engage the software, take the second reading. Um, one of our customers we work with, their corrosion monitoring locations are basically a straight line up the side of an above ground storage tank. So the pilot now goes to the very bottom of the tank, they engage the software, the drone goes in, takes a reading, comes back, goes up and starts taking a series of readings automatically every 12 inches until the, uh, the, the pilot either says resample a location or stops and then moves it to the next location. So as we continue to automate this, um, we have additional products coming out, um, additional functionality for this product coming out for non-destructive testing. So that that's that's great that we have a huge demand for that. And then we're also, like I said, we're, we're scaling up as a company to meet the demand. We, uh, we have a new COO coming on that uh, has started uh, this month. And uh, we're, we're hiring additional team members to, uh, to, to get this developed and out in the world. But we will, we will, you know, we, we have two products launched now, non-destructive testing and, and the, the, the washing drone, which over time, we will be iterating more and more surface prep capabilities into that system. And then we have the spray painting drone coming out um, mm. it, probably in 2023. So what we've what we're trying to accomplish here is a cradle to grave corrosion management system where when something's new, we're able to paint it over time. We can clean it and we can test the thickness of the coating or the steel or metal and you know maintain that asset when it needs cleaning, clean it when it needs surface prep do the surface prep and recoat. So we're getting there. We have two of the three components in place and we're racing forward with a third uh, while we continue uh, iterating and developing and adding additional functionality to the other two. Sounds good. Uh, for anybody who wants to learn more about that, be it your products, your job opportunities, whatever it may be, uh, what's the best way that they can access more information from you guys or uh, contact you all at Apelix? Yeah, the, the best way is to go to apelix.com. So that's www.apelix.com. We also have another website for our non-destructive engineering and, and labs, and that's apelixnde.com. So A-P-E-L-L-I-X-N-D-E.com. Uh, and there's contact forms and phone numbers um, on, on both of those websites. Awesome. Folks, he is Bob Dahlstrom, founder and CEO of Apelix. As far as us at AMP, my name is Ben DuBose. I'm a staff writer for the AMP publications team. If you want more resources from us, you can check those out at amp.org or our publication websites for materials performance. It's www.materialsperformance.com. And for Codings Pro Magazine, it's www.codingspromag.com. Again, for Bob, I'm Ben. Thanks as always for listening, and please come back soon for another new AMP podcast.